Welcome to Oaks Church, where we grow great lives and build big people. Thank you for checking out our podcast. We hope that you're encouraged by this life-changing message from Pastor Joel Scrivener. For more information, visit us online at oakschurch.com or follow us on social media at Oaks Church Texas. God bless each and every one of you. The title that we're working off of today is Dialed In. Dialed In, and we're talking about the voice of God. We've spent the last two weeks, this is our third week, uh, on this subject, specifically speaking about how God desires for you to hear his voice, to know his voice, to connect to him in that way. God wants to have a real relationship with you. None of us can have a real relationship without dialogue, without conversation. If, if my wife and I couldn't have conversation. There would not be a connection point, right? We've all had relationships with someone. I remember it's been a very long time at this point. Jennifer and I have been together for 26 years now. And so it's a long, I have to go way, way, way back in, in, in the history to remember what it was like to be single. But I remember going on dates with someone. In fact, there was this one girl that I went on a, a, a few dates with. And on the exterior, everything was great but we had nothing to talk about. And, and my buddies were like, oh my God, she's gorgeous, she's beautiful, she's perfect. And I'm like, eh, because there was just no connection. On the flip side, the, I told you a few weeks ago the story when I met Jennifer and she was on a date with another guy and I knew him and I liked her and I didn't see no rings on them fingers. So I went up to talk to the guy I knew to meet the girl he was with. And she and I hit it off and talked for 45 minutes in front of that guy. Take that sucker. He was tall and chiseled and whatever, and the short guy won that day. All right, anyway, 26 years later, here we are. But conversation is what makes relationship. Intimacy comes through having those types of deep conversations. And I want to encourage you, this season that we're in, we've talked about this new year, the Jewish new year and the symbolism, what it means. The year is all about miracle harvest. It's about connecting to the mouth of God, the heart of God, and walking in a place of power where his mouth aligns with your mouth, where you hear what he's saying, you see what he sees, and say what he says, and he does what he says through you. God is in that type of business. He wants to do great things in the earth and he wants to do it through you. He wants to do it through you. I remember my, uh, my mom, and I have the pleasure to have such godly parents. I was raised in a home. Um, my mom swears to me that the first word I ever said as a baby was Jesus because I'm just so naturally holy, right? No, it's because I had a mom that was so spiritual. She wasn't saying, mama, mama. She wasn't trying to be the first one to hear her own. She literally was saying to me, Jesus. That's a spiritual mama right there. When you've got a mama that's saying, Jesus, Jesus, and she is dead set on you speaking the name of Jesus, that's how I grew up. I grew up with my parents telling me about the call of God on my life and how I was called to be a man of God and in the ministry and all these different things, and I didn't want to hear any of that, right? But they, I couldn't escape the words that they spoke over me, y'all, the words that my parents spoke over me. Because they were seeing what God was seeing and saying it, and God was putting it in motion even when I didn't want it. 
Even when I was the farthest away from God, when I was running as hard as I could away from God. Can anybody relate to that? I've had seasons in my life where I wanted to be far from him. I tried to run from him, and I ended up like Jonah, having a bad experience, and the Lord having his way with me anyway. You know, God is going to have his way in you. He's going to have his way in you. You can go easy or you can go hard. (laughs) But he's going to bring you to a place where you're on your knees before him. I remember my mom would always tell me that the voice of God, when God would speak to you, it was like water running through a pipe. You're the pipe. And as long as you keep whatever God says to you, as long as you release it and keep speaking it, you hear from God, you speak it, you hear from God, you speak it, it keeps flowing, flowing, flowing. But if you stop the flow, if you stop saying what God is saying, if you dam up the flow, then you can stop the the rhema word of God in your life. You can stop the flow of conversation in your life or you can keep the flow going. We want to be people that are dialed in. Amen. Today, I want to talk to you about dealing with disconnection. Have you ever felt disconnected? I have. In fact, in my prayer time this week, the Lord said to me, Joel, this is kind of your specialty. Because I've, I have a little bit of a gypsy heart. I got a little bit of a wandering spirit. I, I would joke around because I grew up in church. I mean, I was, if, the, if the church was open, we were there, right? But I was also the kid who was in church and up to no good. Like, for, for, for example, one time my buddies and I were probably fifth or sixth grade, and we decided that we wanted real communion. So we went into the, to the little storage thing, and we opened up all the bottles of grape juice, and left them open so that it would ferment. We didn't know that Welch's wouldn't actually go ahead. It would just spoil. We didn't know it wouldn't turn. We were hoping it would turn into wine. This is the kind of church kid I was, right? I, I was a sneaky church kid. And I literally would be either, either living for God or, or, or backslidden. And it would, it would go in cycles. I lived in cycles. And I was like a professional expert backslider. Can anybody else relate to that? Randy can. Uh, I mean, a few of my friends can, right? As I was really good at it, man. And on Sunday, man, I could get up and I could worship God. Ooh, and on Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, I could chase girls, right? And it's just, it was one of those things where I just was good at playing the religious game, playing the spiritual game. And I lived segments of my life totally disconnected, but yet not disconnected. Because the Bible is very clear See, this is one of the misconceptions. I had a great conversation with one of my mentors this week, a veteran pastor, and and you're going to hear from him actually next week. I'm excited. I'm so excited for you to hear from uh, my my friend and my mentor, uh, Larry Norrell, next week. You are going to be so blessed. You're going to be so blessed next week. Um, but, but he was speaking to me and he, and this is a guy who's got 40 years of ministry experience and he's a fabulous speaker and, and brilliant, brilliant, uh, spiritual mind. And he was talking to me about the greatest misconception that we as human beings have is that we think we're the one holding on to God and that we feel like we're the ones that if we lose our grip, we can fall away from God. And he's like, Joel, the Bible says very clearly that he has you in his hand. He's the one that's holding on to you. And he says, no one can snatch you from his hand. God is holding on to you. See, this idea of us being disconnected, it's really just, it, all it is is, is, is a, little, a little twist of the dial. 
Because we're not disconnected. We can just be out of sync a little bit. We're not far from him. He never leaves us. He never forsakes us. He's always with us. And all we have to do is dial in a little bit and we can reconnect to him just like that. The story that I want to take you to is a story that has a really, really incredible up and down, almost a manic, uh, depressant type of experience inside of the story. I was told many years ago that, that after my greatest victories, uh, spiritually speaking, or after my greatest highs, spiritually speaking, I needed to be on guard more than ever because when you hit those spiritual highs, the low can come really quick and you can go really low really quick. The story that I want to speak to you about today is the story of the prophet Elijah. He was one of the most powerful prophets in the Old Testament. This is the guy, and we'll pick up kind of mid-story, but Elijah, before we find him in this story, Elijah has, has really been on a run with God. He, he's batting a thousand, okay? He, he literally has declared that it wouldn't rain, and it didn't rain for three and a half years. He went down and lived by a brook. The Lord said to him, go stay by this brook. He went and lived by the brook, and a raven would bring him food every single day. A bird would bring him food. He would live, live supernaturally in that way. Then when the stream dried up, God said, I got a widow who I want you to go and minister to, and she's going to be the one to feed you now. And he goes there, and not only does he do miracles there, but, but all of a sudden now her kid gets sick, and he raises her kid from the dead. He's, doing, he's in a good spot. And then all of a sudden, he hears from the Lord that it's time for him to make a stand against the wickedness inside of Israel. So he reveals himself to the wicked king Ahab and Jezebel and challenges them and all of the prophets of Baal, which Baal represents the worship of a bull, and it represents idolatry toward material things. See, we think about in America that we don't really have idols, but we do. Materialism is the greatest idol that there is, and Dallas is known all over the world for materialism. We live in the heart of materialism here in Dallas, Texas. So he goes up against 450 prophets of Baal, and he literally says, look, whoever's God is real, call down fire from heaven, and whoever's God consumes the offering with fire, that's the real God, and we'll all worship that God. And he literally calls down fire from heaven, it burns up the sacrifice, and Elijah says, all right, now kill them all. And he goes on this, this rampage and slaughters all 400 and something prophets of Baal, and then goes from there and goes back up on the mountain and prays, and it rains again. And then he comes down the mountain, and he literally runs the distance, I calculated it, a full marathon from there, a supernatural race. And it says in Scripture that he outruns the chariots. This dude is batting a thousand. I mean, this guy is literally, every single part of his experience is through the roof. And where we find the story here today... In 1 Kings chapter 19, verse 1, all of a sudden, he hears a word, and it shakes him. He just had this amazing high, and all of a sudden, now he's face to face with a different word. It says, now Ahab, the evil king, told Jezebel, the evil queen, everything Elijah had done and how he had killed all of the prophets with the sword. 
So Jezebel sent a message to Elijah to say, may the gods deal with me, be it ever so severely, if by this time tomorrow I do not make your life like that of one of them. Elijah was afraid and he ran for his life. Basically, she sent out a hit on him and threatened him and said, by this time tomorrow, you'll be dead. And the prophet who had just, I just walked you through his last three and a half years of victory after victory after victory. And in one word, he hears one message and he runs for his life. And when he came to Beersheba in Judah, he left his servant there. And while he himself went a day's journey into the wilderness, he came to a broom bush and sat down underneath it and prayed that he might die. I've had enough, Lord, he said. Take my life. I'm no better than my ancestors. How is it that you can hear one wrong word and if you're not careful, you can align yourself with it and you can begin to say it and it changes the product of your life. One wrong word can change and create a wrong harvest. What's produced in your life, come on, you don't think words are powerful? Every husband knows you can walk in the house and say one wrong word and the evening is over. What did you do all day? I only said that once. You just don't, guys, young men, don't ever say that. One wrong word. Come on, wrong word equals wrong harvest. Elijah went from this unbelievable high. He hears a death threat from an evil queen, and he believes it. He just called down fire from heaven. He just made it physically rain after three and a half years of drought. And one wrong word. I don't know if you've ever gotten bad news. I've gotten bad news in my life. I've had some rough times where things were spoken over my future, spoken over my children, spoken over my finances. I've received some bad news in my life. And if I'm not careful, I can connect my heart to a bad word, to a bad message. And all too often, all too often, we get out of this spiritual connection of seeing what God sees and saying what he says, and we start looking at things in the natural realm, and we get in alignment with them. Instead of faith... We move into fear, and it's worry, 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 worry. It's all fear-based. It's not faith-based. We've got to avoid that place. He was afraid for his life. He ran for his life, and he found himself in a place of supernatural and spiritual suicidal depression. He wanted to die. That's how intense this evil word was. I don't know if you can relate to that. I don't know if you've ever had a, a, a word spoken to you or over you or over your family so intently that you didn't know if you wanted to live anymore. But one of the greatest ministers God ever called did. Nobody is immune from this. Nobody is immune. It's the, it, listen, the enemy, he wants to implant things in your mind. When you're dialed into God, God doesn't necessarily speak to you inside of your brain thought life. God speaks to you inside of your heart thought life. 
Your heart has over 40,000 neurons. It has the ability to initiate conversations with your brain. Your heart actually thinks. And when God comes into your heart, the Bible says he gives you a new heart. He communicates to you on the most intimate heart level possible. And he can initiate conversations through your heart and your brain will get in alignment with it. But it only gets in alignment with it if what goes into your heart from God comes out of your mouth. When it comes out of your mouth and you hear it in your environment and it comes back in through your ears, it can then change the way you think. Scripture says, as a man thinks in his heart, so is he. Out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. These are scriptures. And it's so important that we don't align with the evil words because if we do, they'll produce an evil harvest in our lives. As the story continues, an angel is actually sent to Elijah. It, literally, he, he, he falls asleep under the tree. He wakes up. The angel is making him food, says, here, you need to eat something because you're going on a journey. He eats. He falls asleep again. He wakes back up. The angel says, you need to eat again. It's going to be a long journey. He eats again. He gets up. He goes on a 40-day wilderness walk. For 40 days, he doesn't eat anything. And he's walking through the wilderness and he finds himself in verse 8 at this mountain. It says, so he got up and ate and drank and strengthened by that food. He traveled 40 days and 40 nights until he reached Horeb, the mountain of God. There he went into a cave and spent the night. And the word of the Lord came to him. Watch this. He's running for his life and God is pursuing him. The word of the Lord came for him when he's at his farthest place, 40 days of wandering, 40 days of misery, 40 days of depression. Watch this. And the Lord of the Lord came to him and said this, what are you doing here, Elijah? <laughs> I love that. What are you doing here? What's wrong with you? Watch Elijah. He replied, I have been very, this is, he's, now he's, he's, he's presenting his case. I've been very zealous for the Lord Almighty. The Israelites have rejected uh, your covenant, torn down your altars, and put, up put the prophets to death with the sword. I am the only one left, and now they're trying to kill me too, the Lord said. Go out and stand on the mountain in the presence of the Lord, for the Lord is about to pass by you. Then a great and powerful wind tore the mountains apart, shattered the rocks before the Lord. But the Lord was not in the wind. After the wind, there was an earthquake, but the Lord was not in the earthquake. After the earthquake came a fire, but the Lord was not in the fire. And after the fire came a gentle whisper. Listen, the, the Lord is not in the noise of your life. What's noisy in your life? What's blaring in your life? See, we want things to be obvious. We, we want God to be blatantly obvious. We want him to be loud. Elijah was used to seeing supernatural things happen. Nothing wrong with supernatural things. Nothing wrong with signs and wonders and miracles. Nothing wrong with calling down fire. Praise God, I wish we could call down some fire sometimes, right? You ever been driving and wish you could call down fire on another driver? Nothing wrong with the miraculous. Never, nothing, that's wonderful, wonderful, wonderful. But God was like, look, that's the noise. 
I'm not in the noise. I don't want you seeking the noise. I want you seeking my whisper. I want you seeking my mouth. Remember last week, God wants intimacy with you. He wants you seeking his mouth. He wants you seeking his breath. He wants you to have intimate conversations with him. And if we're seeking the wrong part of God, we're seeking the big sign, the big miracle, the big whatever, we've missed the point. It's about intimacy. And when we hear from him and say what he says, then the miraculous part happens. But we can't seek it backwards. So what the enemy wants to do is the enemy wants to create chaos and drama. Listen, anywhere that God is sowing seeds of the wheat of your opportunity, the devil is sowing weeds to distract, discourage, and destroy you. And the wheat and the weeds grow up together. That's what Jesus said. The wheat and the weeds grow up together. And if you'll just focus on what God is saying, there's no way to not have weeds in your life. Because the enemy, is in, the enemy is present and he wants to steal, kill, and destroy from you. He's constantly going to sow things to distract you and discourage you. Nothing we can do to stop that. But we can focus in on the wheat of opportunity of what God is actually saying to us. What he wants to see born in our lives. And we focus in on that. In a lot of my external research, I've studied for the last probably 10 years the field of positive psychology. It's one of the most fascinating things to me, how modern science, now 30 years of discovery at Harvard University just to prove that what, everything that we believe in the Bible is right. <laughs> that faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word. I mean, so all of these Bible verses that we quoted and quoted and quoted and quoted, now Harvard is, is saying these scientific things that fit our Bible verses. I stink and love that. I love it when modern science finally catches up to 4,000-year-old wisdom. And, and what modern science with, this, with the science and the skill set of positivity, the things that now they're, they're saying, the way you need to look at things is there will always be both negative reality and positive reality in your life at the same time. We just moved into a beautiful house, a dream house. One that we've dreamt about and it's been in our hearts and a vision for 24 years. We just moved into a 24-year dream. Jennifer picked every little thing. She literally picked and built every single thing for her house off of Pinterest. It's a Pinterest house. It's perfect. And we moved in. She's weary, weary, weary. And she's like, I'm, I'm just going to rest today. And, and I'm going to do the laundry and get caught up a little bit. And she goes to do the laundry. And the brand new washing machine floods the whole. And so in the, this morning, I'm on the front row trying to worship. And my phone's blowing up because literally just gushing out. The whole room is flooded. And I'm texting the plumber who hooked it up. And I'm texting the appliance guy. And I'm whatever. I'm trying to get ready to preach. I'm trying to get ready to get up here and be with you. And, and I got a flood at my new house. I, I didn't tell you. I didn't want you to know, Dee Dee. <laughs> right? <laughs> You'd have probably gone. <laughs> She'd have skipped church. I'm going to hell. Right? And, but come on, guys. In the good times and the bad times, they happen at the same time. And scientifically, what they're saying, the experts are saying, the reality that you embrace and anchor yourself to and speak to is the reality that you'll walk into in your future. You have the power to either embrace a true negative 
and let that be your future, or you can embrace the true positive and let that be your future. And both of them exist together. The wheat and the weeds exist together. The blessing and the curse exist together. And you get to choose which word you align your life with. And if you'll align your life with the positive word of what God is saying, you'll see the harvest that God wants you to see in your life. Yeah, there's a flood at my house right now. But the plumber's coming tomorrow. We'll get it fixed. God's got this. He's going to fix it. It's okay. It's, at least it's not on fire. You know, it's just wet. We'll dry it up. It's going to be okay. But in the middle of it, you can be freaking out, and it's just water. You understand? It's negative. It's no fun. But it's just water. I, this last week, I, I remembered the old statement, don't cry over spilled milk. <laughs> How many times do we freak out over little bitty things? We do. We just freak out over little bitty things. I remember a time, <laughs> so, oh God, I was, there, you ever had moments where you're a horrible parent? I've had moments where I was a horrible parent. I remember a time where I, I, was, I was scrambling and I was just trying to juggle the, the kid, Sydney, she was probably four or something, and we're going to go swimming, and I'm just trying to juggle all this, and it's just chaos, man, just chaos, and things are, this is going on, and the dog throws up, and all this, and I'm just, it's just nuts, and I give Sydney the, 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 the sunscreen to hold on to. Just hold on to this. I look over at her a couple minutes later after I'm cleaning up after the dog, and she literally has used the entire tube on herself. She looked like the abominable snowman. And I was so stressed over other things that I yelled at my kid. And the reality, it was cute and it was funny and it's, it's a great, but I was a jerk. Because I was focused on the wrong things. Instead of, this is awesome, take pictures. Haunt her at her wedding one day with these pictures. I could have had a different perspective, but I was so stressed out over spilled milk. Come on, this is going to bless somebody today. We've got to learn how to dial in to the gentle whisper. Your father is a loving Father, your heavenly father, the word to describe him is Abba. It means daddy. It's intimate. It's sweet. I used to, I have the tendency because of how I grew up that I've had to learn how to work away from the tendency that I've had spiritually speaking and as part of my personality as a competitor and as a performer and as someone, as an achiever, my tendency is to be like, just tell me all the things to do of how to be the most awesome I can possibly be spiritually. And I'll do all of those things. And then, and then what, but what that, Hey, that, okay, great. Good, good practices. But psychologically then God owes me something. Because look at how I've performed and look at how I've achieved and look at how I, and it's a massive trap. It's a massive trap. And your sweet daddy God, although he wants you to fulfill the dream and the promise and everything he's put inside of you and maximize it, he's not asking you to dance and jump through hoops for him. He just wants to hold you. I remember I used to get I used to get so, I felt, I felt so guilty. Anybody ever go and try to pray and you just fall asleep? I call them prayer naps. 
And I used to feel so guilty because I was trying to pray and I fell asleep. And one day in my spiritual time, the Lord spoke to me and said, no, Joel, I love this. You're my kid and you're in my lap and I'm holding you. There's no, come on, as a parent, there's nothing more precious than holding that baby, holding that toddler, holding that. And as they get older, I mean, Blakely's now, she's 10 and a half and she'll still crawl in and, and she's, she, she's not too big to, that she crushes me and, and she's still cuddly and snuggly. It's like, oh, I, I wouldn't trade it for the world. Please just come and let me hold you. And how much more your heavenly father wants to have that type of an intimate just hold you. That was my favorite thing. The, the, the number one thing, you know, your kids grow up and you're trying to change their grammar and change the, their, to teach them the right things to say. There was one phrase with both of our daughters that we never wanted to change, and it was this, hold you. Hold you. What you mean to say, young, young lady, is will you please pick me up and hold me? It's, no, 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 hold you. How much more your heavenly father? You don't have to perform for him. Just crawl up in his lap. Some, listen, some of the greatest revelations that I have, some of the most intimate times that I have with the Lord, some of the best messages I've written, some of the best chapters of the books that I've written have come when I went to be with him and I fell asleep and when I woke up, boom, he was speaking to me because it was so intimate. And all of a sudden I'm inspired. I'm writing, 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 writing. And there's no guilt of, of poor prayer performance because I'm just with him. And he's okay if I doze off. Because when I wake up, I'm in his arms. This is gonna set somebody free today. You've been stuck in a place of spiritual performance. And God is saying to you, I'm not into that. I just want you to be with me. Just be with me. Watch how this story continues. First Kings 19, 13. When Elijah heard that gentle whisper, he pulled his cloak over his face and he went out and he stood at the mouth of the cave and then the voice said to him, what are you doing here, Elijah? Listen, if God asks you the same question exactly twice, it means you didn't answer properly the first time. <laughs> what are you doing here, Elijah? Watch what Elijah does. He says the same thing word for word. He's not getting the clue. I've been very zealous for the Lord God Almighty. The Israelites have rejected your covenant from, and torn down your altars and put your prophets to death with the sword. I'm the only one left, and now they're trying to kill me. And the Lord said to him, go back the way you came and go, and literally, so here, all of a sudden, the Lord gives him the instructions. Elijah is so caught up in the wrong word. I'm the only one. I'm no good. I might as well kill me. I might as well die. He's in a suicidal depression. He's overwhelmed with all of the stuff he's seeing in his life. And God says, listen, shh, shh, shh. go back. What are you doing here? I didn't call you to come out here. I didn't call you on a 40-day journey into the wilderness. You know what's funny? Is that the journey that Elijah went on, it's actually about a three-day walk. When you map it out, it's about a three-day walk. But because of his mindset, it took him 40 days and 40 nights to make a three-day journey. Go back the way you came. 
Go to the desert of Damascus. When you get there, anoint Hazael, king over Aram. Also anoint Jehu, son of Nimshi, king over Israel. And anoint Elisha, the son of Shaphat, from Abel, Maholah, to succeed you as prophet. Jehu will put to death any who escaped the sword of Hazael. And Elisha will put to death any who escaped the sword of Jehu. Yet, watch this, yet I reserve 7,000 in Israel. All whose knees have not bowed down to Baal. Watch this. And all whose mouths have not kissed him. Elijah thought he was the only one. And God said, no, no. I've got 7,000, and they've not been intimate. It's about the mouth, guys. It's about seeking his mouth. It's about seeking his voice. I've got to hear from you. So Elijah went from there. Now, remember, he, he was given Hazael, Jehu, and Elijah in that order. Watch what Elijah does first. Elisha, pardon me. Hazael, Jehu, Elisha. Those are the instructions. Watch what, watch what Elijah does. It's very telling. So Elijah went from there and found Elisha. He skipped to the end, son of Shaphat. He was plowing 12 yoke of oxen. He was driving the 12th pair. Elijah went up and threw his cloak over around him. Literally gave him the symbol, come follow me. I'm giving you a part of my mantle, a part of my ministry. Elijah was so lonely. He skipped the other two, the first priorities. He just needed a friend. See, it's so important, guys that we don't do this spiritual journey alone. The enemy, it says he goes about like a roaring lion. He's not actually a roaring lion. It's more like a hyena. But he, he wants to put on the persona that he is like Jesus is described as the lion of Judah. Satan is not the lion. But any of those predatory animals, they hunt in packs, and their number one objective is to separate someone that's weak or old off from the rest of the pack. The enemy wants you isolated. If he can get you alone, if he can get you isolated, if he can get you weary, tired, depressed. There were 7,000 friends that Elijah could have had, but the enemy got him alone. There are seasons of our lives that we have to go and be alone with God because no one else can go with you through that season. It's just part of it. There are times that you have to be alone to fortify an intimacy and a relationship with God. But it is not good for man to be alone, God said himself. And God calls us out of those places where he has us isolated for a moment to teach us and connect to us. And he draws us back into a place to build the intimate relationships with our brothers and sisters of faith that we have to have to become who he's called us to become. Bible says that as iron sharpens iron, so one man sharpens the countenance of his friend. You have to have spiritual relationships. That's why our Oaks groups are so important. That, that's why our Oaks classes are so important. That's why it's so good for you. Our teenagers that are off on the trip, they went to the, the, the nightmare, the Christian haunted house in Tulsa, and they're having so much fun. They are loving it. This morning they were at this awesome church in Tulsa called Guts Church. 
that puts on this event. It's a huge church in Tulsa, and, and it's like a rock and roll church. I mean, it started. I was I was in Tulsa when this church started years ago, and it literally was on a Sunday night, and it was like all these people from the bar, from the bars. Like it was like a rock concert, and it was just all t- kind of a just a totally different anti-church type church movement. It's a really cool experience there. And so uh, it's, I say anti-church, anti-traditional church, but just, just raw worship. Everyone was tattooed. Everyone was bearded. Everyone looked like they got off of a Harley. It was like a bike. It's like biker bar church. It was crazy. Uh, and, and, but, but radical faith, radical faith. And that's where our kids are this morning. But the most important reason that you send your kids to camp and missions trips and all this kind of stuff is because it's in those places where a lot of times they get away from their school friends and they make godly friends. They make spiritual connections with like-minded people. It's so important that we do that with our children. And it's also so important that we do that with ourselves. You're not supposed to be alone. You're supposed to do life with others. We hope this message has blessed your life. And if it has, we want to invite you to sow into what God is doing here at Oaks Church. It's as simple as going to oakschurch.com and clicking the Give button. On behalf of Oaks Church, thanks again for listening and have a great week.